MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. A numbers game on VSEN, the sports betting network. It's your last chance, folks. End of July. This is all over. The NFL betting guide's out. The college football guide's coming up in a couple of weeks. So get in on our offer. 175 bucks. Get you access all the way through the Super Bowl to everything we do here at VSIN. You can sign up monthly and get your first 30 days for only 19 bucks to see everything that we have. But the offer for 175 ends on July 31st. So don't miss out on this preseason deal. Visit vsin.com slash subscribe and get in on the action. Yeah, the college football betting guide is going to be awesome. Finishing up uh, the win totals and bets that I'm going to submit for the guide as well. You putting anything in? No? No, I was not asked. Uh, it was on the email. There's an email. Oh, is it just me? Hmm. Yeah, just you. What are you doing, Mountain West Conference again this no, year? No, I was actually talking to Tim. Adam Burke decided I wasn't good enough for that, I guess. Really? Yeah, so it's Tim Murray who's doing the... Uh, What'd you get demoted down to? Are you doing nothing? like uh, nope. uh, FCS schools? No, they're just, hey, if you got <laughs> if you got some best bets, submit them. So I'm like, all right, cool. Hey, man. I, 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 look, Adam Burke and I have a rocky relationship. Wait, what, is it, what does it go? Like uh, FCS and then there's NAIA, right? Is that the next one down? Sure. I think, yeah. You'll handle those. <laughs> I things. won't speak to that because I don't really know. So uh, I will never I, – I, sometimes I'll speak on things I don't know. Uh, but with things I don't know, we welcome in smart guests like Jordan Sherwood, who, of course, you can find his work on First Strike. You can follow him on Twitter, Wood on ESPN 1000. Jordan, it's always good to talk to you. Uh, always appreciate the time. So let's start right off the bat here. Uh, walk us through overall this card. Seems like it's a pretty good one, but I want to start at the top of the main event before we get to the rest of the cards. Tom Aspinall, Marcin Tybura, minus 475, the price over at DraftKings for Aspinall. Uh, Tybura is at plus 350. Haven't seen a ton of move here, so walk us through why Aspinall is this big of a favorite and does he deserve to be, and especially I'll preface it with this, in a heavyweight fight where I feel like there can be uh, you know some variance when it comes to these big guys going at it. Yeah, JVT, this, I mean, this fight, this fight card is going to be great top to bottom because it's a European focus. They're not often overseas, and they're in London live in prime time for the home crowd there. So it's a little bit earlier start for us to watch. But, yeah, I mean, Tom Aspinall is, is all the hype behind him. I mean, he is considered to be a potentially a future UFC heavyweight champion or at least a UFC uh, heavyweight uh, contender. He's got all the tools. He's got good boxing. He's got a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. He's extremely athletic. And he doesn't waste any time in the cage, uh, you know, dismantling opponents either early in the first round or, you know, early into the second round. The one time I'm going to recommend you maybe take a pass or a flyer on a, as big of an underdog as Mar- Marcinte Bora is, it's this type of situation because we have not seen Tom Aspinall in over a year. It was a year ago that he fought Curtis Blades. He threw a leg kick 15 seconds into the fight. 
and uh, completely shattered his ACL and MCL. So who knows what that recovery was like, if this is too quick of a turnaround for him to get in there in a main event fight and a big-time opportunity for him to cement himself as a heavyweight title challenger against a guy in Marcin Tabora that's, what, 7-1 and one in his last eight fights, a guy that's never been submitted in his mixed martial arts career, so you're asking A, Aspinall to do something to him that it's never happened, or B, a guy that's really a tough out. You know, uh, Tybura's been in there with some heavy hitters like a Greg Hardy, a Walt Harris, and neither one of those guys knocked him out. So, um, I, I mean, I think logically Aspinall should win this fight. It's a favorable matchup for him, Come, but the hesitancy for me, as big of a favorite as he is, JVT, is, again, what is he going to look like when he's actually in a fight? You can train all you want. You can rehab all you want. But what's going to happen when he actually steps into the octagon? That's why I wouldn't recommend any play on Aspinall, especially at that number. Uh, every single number in these markets would indicate that this thing is not going to go the distance. Uh, you know, round under one and a half is minus 195. To go the distance, you're getting seven to one. Um what do you make of just the way this plays out? Are we going to get a finish? Is the market right in pricing it this way? Or is that just slanted because these are two heavyweights and there's a little bit more of a chance this goes a little bit longer? No, no, I, I, I think we will see a finish. I mean, okay. in all likelihood, we'll see a, you know, kind of a, a, a typical Aspinall fight in, the, in an early exit for his opponent. I mean, the guy doesn't waste any time. All his wins have come inside the distance. Uh, you know, the two times that he's – or three times he's lost, two of them. Uh, have been inside the distance. So the last one doesn't go to the judges' scorecards. Uh, and, and look, you know, the, there is an opportunity for Marcin Tabora to maybe get a, you know, a finish there as well. So I think I'm not maybe confident on the under at one and a half, which with price out, priced out there. So maybe you lay a little juice and go under at two and a half just to be safe. Maybe Aspinall's a little tentative coming out of the gate again after that injury. All right, co-main event is a flyaway bout. McCann versus uh, Stoliarenko. Uh, walk me through why the market is uh, moving against McCann. Some spots had her well over $3, but we're seeing, I didn't even think FanDuel open minus 400. We're down to minus 215, minus 205. Why the moves against McCann here in the market? Look, because Molly McCann's not as great of a fighter as she's made out to be. Yeah. She gets a lot of hype because of her association with Dave Portnoy and Barstool and the fact that, you know, of her three latest wins uh, have come by spinning back elbow. So you don't really see that often, JVT, but like they weren't against great opponents. They were favorable matchups for her, and they were both in London, England with the hometown crowd behind her. Uh, and this, look, this is another favorable matchup. You know, Stroylenko is, is, a, is a good fighter, but she had success before she got to the UFC. She now won in five in the UFC. She's finished in a, in a bunch of different fights. Uh, the, the thing is, though, is I, I think – we're going to get this fight headed to the ground. I think we're going to see a typical Molly McCann fight. She's not going to mess around the feet. She's going to take this fight to the ground and try and just like, like grapple and, and control. And that's kind of also in the Stroylenko's wheelhouse. You know, all her wins are basically like Ronda Rousey style via armbar. So I, I think Molly McCann wins the fight. I, I think, again, it's a favorable matchup. But I don't think she's going to win inside the distance. I, I think this is a typical women's fight. It's a slow grinder of a fight, and uh, I think you can get plus money right now at Molly McCann via decision. So I think that that's what we're going to see. Um, you know, Molly McCann kind of reverting back to what we know her prior to this. You know, this hype that's been built behind her uh, with, the, with the Barstool Association. Is there a point where, if this price continues to dip, that just to win the fight outright, you know, uh, is that worth it? Like, if it gets to like a minus one eighty-five or anything like that, because it, it only seems to be heading in one direction. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is a spoon-fed fight for, for, for Molly McCann. Okay. If you could get her under $2, you play it for sure. 
Uh, you know, Storylenko, I think, is on her way out of the UFC. She looks fine on weigh-ins. That, that was a little bit of a concern, her making the, the cut to fly away, but she looks fine. But I think, again, very well matchup for Molly McCann. She should win the fight, but I just don't think she's going to finish her like she's been doing against, uh, you know, her previous two wins uh, right. in the octagon. All right, I want to ask you about one more line move that I noticed that we'll get to some of the other bouts you have your eye on. Uh, Andre Muniz, uh, some spots open at buck sixty-five, up to well over $2, minus 225 against Paul Craig. What's your read here and why the market's moving in Muniz's favor? Yeah, yeah, well, I'm not. I'm a little bit surprised. I mean, look, okay. I think the concern was Paul Craig making the jump down from light heavyweight to middleweight, but he looks fine at the weigh-ins. Uh, he's always been a relatively small 205er, so I think actually this is a good, smart decision for him to fight at 185. Uh, and he's got one of the best guards in, in mixed martial arts, and he's taking on a guy that's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, so he's going to want to go into his guard and, and look for a submission. Yeah, Munoz will probably be the bigger fighter. He'll be the fresher fighter and the better on the stand-up, but I think Hopefully these guys go to the ground. So actually, I'm going to recommend a small flyer on Paul Craig. I think the Bear Jew, uh, you know, this is the right division for him. He's a finisher. He's a guy that's very comfortable off of his back. So, you know, it's it's kind of both guys going to their strengths. Uh, I get why Munoz is his favorite because Paul Craig's been finishing a heck of a lot of fights before. But I, I think we could get a submission from Paul Craig out of nowhere. We have seen Munoz, uh, you know, have a, a stinker, and this could be one of them. Jordan Sherwood with us, co-host of the Unnamed MMA podcast, but you want to check out his work on First Strike as well. Uh, all right, Jordan, so let's uh, go go anywhere you want on the card. Any fight that we haven't hit on that uh, you have a bet on that you would recommend still at the current prices available? Yeah, sure. So uh, Mark Diacasi and, and Joel Alvarez are lightweights that are fighting on the prelims. You know, Diacasi, you know, came into the UFC with a, a very good striking background, uh, has reverted to wrestling of late. He's been kind of tentative with his, uh, with his striking and looked, Pretty awful his last time out. He'll be, you know, he'll have a little bit of momentum with the home crowd behind him. But Joel Alvarez is a massive lightweight with an unbelievable guard and very difficult striking to kind of mirror in training camp and work through. And if Diacosti's not relying on his striking and is going to look to wrestle, that's his comfort level. That's right in Joel Alvarez's wheelhouse. And I like Joel Alvarez, even though he's the favorite at the dollar ninety. I think it's a good price for him. So I think he wins the fight. He could win it inside the distance, catching a submission, or you know he's going to win on the feet, uh, you know, outstriking Diakopi for three rounds. All right, I like it. Anything else you want to leave us with? Yeah, I'll say Mahmoud um, uh, Muradov against Brian Barberena. Barberena's going up in weight. He's always been kind of a smaller welterweight. Now he's going up the middleweight. I think Muradov though is going to win via decision. He's a big favorite, like 350, 325. But I think get him via decision. Brian Barberena's always been a tough bout. He's been submitted the last two times. He's been in the octagon. But Muradov is not a submission ace. He's more of a grappler kind of control you, kind of like I was talking about with Molly McCann. So I think he gets plus money, Muradov, to win via decision. All right, last 60 really quickly. Any early thoughts on Makashev versus Oliveira too? Uh, it's so hard for me to pick against Dubronx, even though I did it, yeah. you know, did, you know, did it the first time and it, it didn't do well for me. But I just love him. He's just so – I think he was just off that one fight uh, against Makachev. So even though the, the money and the public and – all the line is going towards Islam Makachev. Uh, I think you can't bet Charles Oliveira uh, against him because he's just so dangerous on his feet and in his guard. First strike where you get all of recent podcasts. Check it out now. Jordan's on there all the time. Jordan, good to talk to you, man. Thanks a lot. All right, JBT. Talk to you soon. Got it. Good on ESPN 1000. You want to give him a follow. Every time I look up, Kelly's got a smile on his face. I feel like it has something to do with something downstairs. Oh, we're slowing down. We're yeah. slowing down. I told you, down. man, you start out strong. Yeah. You always, always. You started off too fast. He's slowing down. All right. Well, we're not going to slow down here. Tim Murray's going to join us next to get his thoughts on everything college football. Tim's been doing an awesome job with the College Football Betting Podcast, getting ready for the upcoming NFL season, and, of course, writing for the College Football Betting Guide, which you want to get today. Beeson.com slash subscribe.
numbers game on VSIN, the sports betting network. You can place a no-run first-inning wager with confidence at BetMGM. Make a no-run first-inning profit on any Friday MLB game. That's today. And if only one run scored in the first, you're going to get your stake back in bonus bets up to $20. Take big swings all season long with BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks, an official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. Log into your account. Sign up today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms. New and existing customer offer. Often required all promotions subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. They expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. And if you have a problem, 1-800-GAMBLER. Offer not available in D.C., Kansas, Mississippi, Nevada, and New York. A quick update as we effort one, Tim Murray. Um, so I was talking to you. First off, wrinkles slowing down. He's slowing down. Um, Stuck on 49. That's that's the thing. Like I told I told you two things. I have experience doing this. All right. First off, you always start strong, which Isaiah did. What, 33 in the first like 15 minutes or yeah, something it was like, like that? 11 minutes. Yep. Yeah. Um, but also that the taste gets to you. You can love the food. The taste, the repetitive taste will get to you. Now, he does have the right thing because he's got different sauces and all that kind of stuff, but it's still the same base food. And what did he tell you? Quote, it tastes really chickeny. Yep. The taste gets you. It could be the most <laughs> delicious food, but there's something mental about the repetitive taste. That's why I think when I watch these hot dog eating contests, right? Like when I watch Joey Chestnut, I'm more impressed with watching not only just the amount, but the fact that they fight through the taste. Oh, it's incredible. All right. So again, to reiterate for anybody just joining us, Isaiah's got to eat hundred nuggets in the next hundred minutes. Uh, the cutoff time is eight fifty. So he's got just over an hour to finish. He's going to miss up. the bonus. The bonus he's done. Yep. That, that he has got, he's got 13 and a half minutes to complete yep. that. Well, a bonus is that we get to t- t- talk to Tim Murray, uh, Tim Murray. Wow. I can get through it. Sorry. It's a little early. It's Friday. Uh, Tim Murray is with us uh, on my way in, was listening to a fantastic podcast. Of course, the college football betting podcast. I'm catching up as they are going through the conferences one by one. Uh, Tim, it's good to talk to you. First off, uh, I saw you yesterday uh, rubbing elbows with the, uh, the mountain West elite. How was Mountain West media day for you yesterday? Huh? It's been great, man. Uh, it's you know it's first class event, and uh, you know you certainly have more experience with uh, the Mountain West than I do working with UNLV. So this is really my first time kind of getting to chat and, and interact with the folks there and talk to the coaches. But we had a blast. I mean, we had a couple coaches come by the studio yesterday. Uh, they were appreciative of coming on Visa, and we loved it too. So uh, it, was, it was really neat. It was uh, you know it was cool, obviously for for the uh, you know media days to be there at Circa. So. Um, you know, this is, uh, okay. I think we might've lost. All right. Well, for we got some, uh, we have some uh, challenges, uh, but here, what he's talking about with the Mount West, as we noted too, you know, it's a pretty good conference. I will say, um, we mentioned when we did our Mount West preview at the beginning of the week, Fresno state is the team to look at. I think in that conference circa had him at four to one. So I did add for Fresno state to win the conference at four to one over there at circa. Uh, because they've got a lot going back. But the Mountain West is a pretty fascinating conference, as is Conference USA. And I will say this, because I got when Tim and I were kind of chopping it up yesterday about the conference, and if we get them back, I was going to ask him about this. Tim, uh, Tim let's talk really quickly, because you and I were, t- were talking about a specific team out there in Conference USA. Um, yeah. You're in agreement with me, right, that when you're looking at a team out there in CUSA, uh, like UTEP, that's got a lot coming back in a conference that's like, changed over completely, that has multiple teams that aren't qualified for it, like UTEP win total, you two have to win that conference. It's a little bit more live, right, than the numbers would indicate. Yeah, I think so, JVT. I mean, you look at let's look at their schedule real quickly, and I know that there's some connection issues, so hopefully we can uh, hold this strong here. But uh, if they open up with uh, a win in week zero against Jacksonville State, where they're about a point underdog uh, against a, a new team in the FBS, uh, you know, they should be two and zero against an Incarnate Word team that's 
you know, kind of changed everything over. You got to remember Incarnate Word's whole staff went to Texas State, brought a lot of their players with them. So that's not the same Incarnate Word maybe we've seen in recent years. And and then they played Northwestern, JVT. And, yeah. you know, with everything that's going on in Northwestern, um, I, I can't assume that's going to be a victory. Um, so, uh, yeah, this is a team that, you know, if you look at Phil Steele and, and his preview magazine, he's very high on them and in the returning production that they have. Uh, FIU is going to be down at Sam Houston State's a new program in the FCS or the FBS, excuse me. So, um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of opportunities out there. Win total sitting at five and a half. I think William Hill in here in town is minus 115 to the over. So the bet that I've made, uh, UTEP over five and a half. I think this is a team that absolutely could get to, to bowl eligibility. And I'll say this, you know, last year they won five games, JVT, and what was a better CUSA, their final game of the season was against UT San Antonio. And uh, you could see that they were fighting, trying to get the bowl eligibility. And, you know, when I play these win totals, um, you know, play it over a five and a half, knowing that this is a program that really hasn't been to many bowl games. I know there's a collective eye roll sometimes about, oh, bowl games, they mean nothing. Mm-hmm. Well, in a conference like CUSA with a program like UTEP, they don't go to many of them. So I think you're going to get, if we get the five wins, I think they're going to, you know, you're going to see a really big-time effort to try to get to that sixth win, no doubt. So, yeah, I think UTEP, uh, if, if, we can, uh, if we can win that week zero, one game, uh, week zero game, against Jacksonville State, JBT, I think you're sitting in pretty good shape with an an overwind total. And the other team that stuck out that we talked about really quickly as well, and I brought this up when we previewed it on Tuesday or whenever we talked about it, I thought Liberty was a little overpriced. I mean, you're talking about just eight returning starters. Uh, You know, Jamie Chadwell comes over now to take over the program. I think there's a lot of turnover here, and I think a lot of what we're looking at for odds, right, plus 240 to win the conference, a win total of nine is essentially a pick. A lot of that is due to what we've seen from Liberty the last few years, and I don't think it really represents the the turnover that we're seeing from this program. Am I right in thinking that Liberty's a little overvalued here by the betting market? Yeah, I do think they're a little overvalued in the the, – in the uh, the futures market for sure uh, because of the success that they've had. The only reason I wouldn't be saying race to play and, and under is their schedule is it might be the worst schedule or the easiest schedule in college football yep. this year. Uh, they, they play nobody. I mean, they play their conference foes. I mean, think about it in years past. I think they played uh, four F. I think they played four power five teams last year. They played Virginia tech, Arkansas, uh, they played Wake Forest, and if you want to throw in BYU as a Power Five, now that they've joined the Power Five ranks, uh, they're there as well. So you know, this is a program, to your point, that got off to an 8-1 and one start last year, was ranked in the top 25, and then all of the uh, rumors about Hugh Freeze started to, to really come about, and, and then they kind of fell off a cliff a little bit. But you, know, you look at them against Power Five teams, they covered against Wake Forest, uh, they beat BYU outright, they beat Arkansas outright, and then they lost to Virginia Tech. Uh, late in that season. But, yeah, a lot of turnover there at Liberty. I do not expect them to win this conference this year. You know, I, I, I don't want to be chalky, but, I mean, Western Kentucky in that conference is just really good. I mean, yep. the conference is down. They lost some of their best teams to the American Athletic Conference, obviously, uh, none bigger than UTSA. Um, but, yeah, you know, on the pod, Adam Burke, who wrote up the conference for our betting guys, he loves Western Kentucky. He played the overwind total, so – uh, you can listen in and, and see why, but uh, they're just really good. They bring uh, bring back Austin Reed, their quarterback, so uh, they're the rightful favorite, but I don't think Liberty, I agree with you, probably shouldn't be the second favorite in my opinion. All right, let's talk about Cusa Light. 
um, the AAC, this has been incredible watching this. You know, we were talking about <laughs> Conference USA, like all the good teams are like, oh, let's go to the American. So now you have the AAC, which is pretty fascinating. Tulane defending champ, a plus 210 to win this thing. SMU, the second choice. These are odds via DraftKings, a plus 360. But in going over the team and listening to you guys on the College Football Betting Podcast, in a, a conference that is essentially half the one that you were playing in, why are we not looking at like UTSA and being like, hey, man, like, this team might be pretty live to win this thing with everything got coming back at quarterback. Uh, the note, if you could, with everybody, you know, their leading receiver last year leaves, but the guy yeah. who was actually leading before injury, like there's a lot going on with UTSA that you can like. Their win total is only seven and a half. You get them at four to one. Yeah, UTSA. I mean, I think I would say of the teams that make the changeover uh, from uh, from CUSA, which is, you know, UAB, Rice, North Texas, uh, Charlotte, um, they're the one that that's ready to make this jump. Um, you know, they've been they've been recruiting at a high level. Jeff Trailer uh, probably won't be at UTSA very long. Uh, Frank Harris is back, but if they had kept Zakari Franklin, and I know wide receivers ultimately JVT don't mean necessarily a ton to you know a point spread on a week to week basis, but it would have just been really nice for this team to have you know the best receiver in school history back. But yeah, UTSA I think is a team that absolutely is going to be live. Uh, schedule out of the shoot, man, at Houston, Texas State, which should be a win. You get Army at home and then at Tennessee, which I think will be a fun game on September 23rd. But, yeah, I mean, they play a bunch of AAC teams. Uh, they don't play Tulane – or, excuse me, you know, CUSA teams, I meant. So, yeah, I think the schedule is pretty manageable there for UTSA. So, uh, if you can go 2-2 two and two in the non-con – I think you are on uh, on the path to uh, to getting over that win total. All right, Tim, we appreciate it. I know we're up against it here because um, I was going to ask you about another team, but we'll save it for our analysis because I think the other interesting squad is Florida Atlantic with Tom Herman, who's got a bunch of returning yeah. talent, uh, but his first year there. Uh, let everybody know, what's the schedule for the podcast? What do you got coming up in terms of episodes? Yeah, I'll do a quick. Uh, we had so many interviews from Mountain West Media Day, so we're going to compile all that. That should be out at some point you know, this weekend, and then – uh, Going to do some favorite win totals uh, from the Big 12 and the SEC next week. And then uh, then we'll have the guide out. And then we're just going to re- revisit all the big-time conferences, uh, you know, come uh, come in a couple weeks. All right, Tim. Podcast awesome. You're doing a great job. It was good to see you the other day. And keep up the good work, man. We'll talk soon. All right, JVT. See you, man. You got it. All right, we'll take our break here when we come back. Uh, we'll update two things. The two sporting events going on right now, the Open Championship and the Nugget Challenge, which I think Isaiah Wrinkle is, uh, I'm going to say it, he's going to fail. the sports betting network we all know about the speed of sound but have you ever thought about the sounds of speeding drive too fast you could hear the sound of your vehicle crashing because one way or another speeding catches up with you paid for by nitsa back here on a numbers game yep all backed up done over it is a failure wave the flag stand up stand up straight come on let's go wave the flag Yep, that's Surrendered. right. I'm going to shame you. That's yep, right. Shame. Shame. Failure. The confidence. 100 nuggets in 100 minutes. Absolutely failed. Only 50. Got, got through like 35 so quick. It yep. was like in 12 minutes. And then just. Amen. Plus done. EV. Betting against Isaiah Wrinkle <laughs> to finish that thing up. i tell you that much. Good effort, though. Good effort. Good effort, yeah, Isaiah. Good effort. Especially eating day-old chicken nuggets at 7 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I totally watched when I bought those last night, by the way, for people have been tweeting, asking about that. Yes, I purchased them last night 
put, put them in nice Ziploc bags like we saw and refrigerated them for him to reheat this morning. So he had to deal with old nuggets, too. I will give him that. But, I, but JVT, if you had to walk into a McDonald's and order 100, 100 McNuggets, don't you think there's, you need to give an explanation behind it? That's the way I felt walking into, into the McDonald's. Now, like party or something like that? I, don't know. I told everybody exactly what we were doing. Nobody cared. Like, it's, Vegas. Sure. it's Vegas. They're like, oh, there's a bet going on? Yeah, we don't care. Yeah. I mean, maybe it broke up the day for a little bit, but. And then I don't. I think the thing I was shocked by the most is they have these little carriers for like mass amounts of nuggets. Yeah. Like they put they put fifty in each. Yeah, like the little handle boxes. Yeah, yeah. I was like, who's ordering these? This got to get ready. You got to get ready for whatever comes at you. McDonald's is ready for those sort of things. <laughs> uh, very impressive. Sponsor us, please. Okay, uh, <laughs> really quick, uh, want to give an update. So um, Tommy Fleetwood did drop a stroke there on that last hole. He actually did a pretty good job, Kelly, of getting himself out of the bunker, uh, but ended up just missing. Uh, on a, uh, bur- a uh, par putt. So got that one in. He drops a stroke. And I think Jordan Spieth, I don't know if he's about to. I think they just showed him. I thought he was, um, I don't know if they're a little behind on the broadcast. thought he was on to the next hole, but maybe this is just a, a catch up here because it looks like I thought it was Spieth. That doesn't look too happy with the putt coming up. So might be for uh, bogey, but we'll keep an eye on that. Right now, Harmon, still your leader at 10 under 65 for the day. Done. Jordan Spieth at five under. Uh, and Antoine Rosner, are you in on him? He is through one at five under. So. Another guy who can maybe make some headway today. Yeah, headway today. not in on Rosner, but uh, a DP World Tour staple right there. So we'll see if he can make some noise over here. All right, with that, we were talking about um, NFL awards and the fact that I don't feel uh, the need to get in on uh, MVP. Now, there were bets that I did make, uh, first of which is um, Defensive Player of the Year. I feel pretty confident as we're kind of talking about the Cleveland Browns, right? And I've referred to them as, you know, whatever term, the fly in the ointment, all that kind of stuff. It is a team that has a lot of potential and a guy that I think can have a very big season so far this year coming into this year uh, would be a guy like Miles Garrett. I think Garrett has, you know, we know that he has the tools to win defensive player of the year. You can get him about plus 750 or, you know, I got him at eight to one over at Circa to win this thing. But I think when you're looking at the way that this is made up for Miles Garrett and the pieces around him, Kelly, I think there's actually a really good chance that this is going to be a year which he can come out for Cleveland and win this thing in terms of defensive player of the year. It's not just Miles Garrett. Obviously, Cesaria Smith is here too. So when you talk about adding other edge rushers and opening this up, you're not going to be able to afford to double Miles Garrett as much or send as much help because I think this pass rush front is actually really, really solid for them. And there's a lot of depth in that regard. And if you're talking about a Cleveland Browns team that is going to be in position to win quite a few games, and I think Garrett's going to be a part of that, to bet him at about 8-1 to one to win defensive player of the year, I thought was really worth it. Micah Parsons is going to have a lot of attention and he's a very good player, deserves to be favored for this. I think you can make a case for T.J. Watt as well, mm-hmm. but my money for it was on a guy like Miles Garrett, who I think when you look at Zedarius Smith next to him as an edge rusher, last year, Smith at 85.4 pass rushing grade. Uh, you have Oka, uh, excuse me, I always get this name wrong. Okoronak, Okoronak, well, I can't do it. The other edge rusher that they have there, I apologize for mispronouncing your name, uh, 81.9 from a season ago. Uh, this is, I think, a front as well as Dalvin Thompson along the interior, one of the better interior edge rushers or pass rushers that you're going to see. I think there's a lot here for Cleveland to kind of set up Miles Garrett for a lot of success this season. Yeah, we kind of t- we kind of spoke about them yesterday too. Of like, I, I think this AFC North is going to be absolutely brutal. I-, I think that the Steelers are going to be, you know, Mike Tomlin's never had a losing season. Don't know if you know that or not. Uh, but like, you know, I-, I think they're going to take a step back, but I don't think they're going to go. I don't think they're going to take a huge step back. And then we talked about it yesterday. I expect the Browns to be better. I expect the Ravens to be better. And I still think the Bengals are one of the best teams in football. 
So, like, this division's going to be brutal, but and that's why you're seeing so many of the defenders, uh, you know, on the, on this odds board because of how talented some of these defenders are in that division. I think Michael Parsons deserves to be the favorite in this market. If I'd, I, I'm not, I, I don't have a bet in this market right now. Probably won't preseason. But if I had to go anywhere, it would be Miles Garrett as well. I think if you can find that eight to one, I think him, Micah Parsons, T.J. Watt deserve to be the three favorites in this market. But you could almost put any one of those guys, any order after Micah Parsons, as long as it's slightly down from him, I think is accurate. Yeah, uh, and the the rest of these two, I think. When it comes to Defensive Player of the Year, it, you, it's much like these other uh, markets. You do want players who are going to put up some splash stats to yes. get some of the uh, low-tier voters to kind of buy in on it, right? So you want sacks. You want potential interceptions. Yeah, I do wonder, so like a guy like Ahmad Gardner, when you're talking about the ability to win that, you should win it without needing a bunch of interceptions like win this thing. But he will. Uh, He's going to need it. Yeah. He's going to need five, six, seven picks. It's hard to evaluate corner play if you're not really watching. And there are a few writers who vote for these things who do watch and who might use sites like a PFF or whatnot. But I think for the most part, you're trying to find some of these guys. And I think that's why you see, right, a lot of these names, edge rushers, because you want some of those explosive numbers that are going to really help you out to win this thing. And to the voters' credit, I mean, they got it right last year, right? He won defensive rookie of the year, right? And he didn't have the interception numbers that Tariq Woolen did in Seattle, so I, you know, th- that was that was the big one. Tariq Woolen had like six interceptions like halfway through the season. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I think that they got it right last year. We'll see if they t- start to pay attention to more more of the analytics uh, that we talk about all the time like that. The other, so uh, the I mentioned comeback really quickly. So Demar Hamlin over at DraftKings is minus two eighty five to win this thing. Uh, there is a thought that hey, look, you know, you, you play a snap, then you're going to win this, and it's much like what happened with Alex Smith coming back from his injury that year. I just needed to get on the field, and that would be the case. I will say there are a couple of other guys on this list, Kelly, that, that really intrigue me. Like you have certain guys, right, that are coming back like from some sort of like Tua Tungabailoa as the second choice of 20 to 1 is pretty interesting only because I, I guess he is coming back from a season that was marred by injury. Yeah, the concussions. Uh, you know, yeah. right. There, People will all remember that. There's yep. that. There's Russell Wilson coming back from having a very poor year. Uh, but if you go down, I mean, the story of John Mechie the third is a really good one, right, with what he had to go through. Uh, and then now coming back, he's still an extremely talented player at that as well. And I think he could play a really big role in Houston's offense. Like Those are the names I'd look for because Mechie the third, I think, is actually going to be a very impactful player. Did you bet that? Not yet. Because no. you brought that up probably four or five months. Whenever this market first got open yes. and we were talking about it, and he had to have been much longer odds back then. Because when we asked, I remember having a conversation, me and you talking about this, we couldn't even find odds on it. Right. And that was the thing. I mean, I haven't made the uh, the trek out to Hoover Dam. <laughs> so 30 to 1. Let me double check. Yeah, it's probably pretty accurate. I think the other names on here, I think Tua, I think Lamar, I think those are two names that would be very live if it was any other year. I think those two names are the favorites in this market. So there, that's one way to look at it. I think you have to first decide what is what does DeMar Hamlin have to do for enough for enough to convince enough yeah. voters to go his way. I think a lot of people have differing answers on that. For me, it's he has to play some type of role in this defense still. And it has to be probably through most of the season. I, I don't think he's a guy that, I mean, if you remember what he did last year, he was basically, basically their third safety. Mm. I, you know, if he, he can't be a guy who's going to come in, and if he has two tackles in the first game, we're just handing him this award. I don't think that's the way it's going to work. Yep. I think he deserves it, much like Alex Smith. Like, the, the name of the award, that guy stepping back out on the field, you should give it to him right away. I just, I, we're handicapping voters always when we're talking about these things. 
The other name, too, again, when you're looking at comeback, I will also say this because I've when we've talked about this in the past, I think it was like with Geno Smith and people are like, what's you coming back from sucking? Like, yeah, yeah, that's like that's a comeback. And if you're if you're approaching this market with that thought, like that's dumb. I think you're handicapping yourself severely. Like you should open your open your mind to the fact like this is an award that can go to those guys who mm-hmm. had down years and are coming back from those sort of things. Ryan Tannehill, the year he won. It. Correct. He went to Tennessee. Yep. What was he coming back from? He sucked on the Dolphins. Yep. I mean, look, like, so, you know, Derek Carr could be a candidate here at 50 to 1. I would also point out Foster Moreau, again, when you're talking about just good stories dealing, you know, with, you know, with disease and having to come back from it, Foster Moreau is a very good story at 45 to 1. Again, I'm not sure how much statistical output really needs to happen unless you just need to be a guy that is coming back from something like that and has played a large role for their respective teams. But if you're looking at that, there's DeMar Hamlin, there's John Mechie, and then, of course, there's Foster Moreau um, among those names that I think you should really look at to win this award. This seems like a year where we're not looking at the guys who are coming back from statistically down years because there are guys like Hamlin, Mechie, and Moreau who are coming back from legitimate things that I think would sway voters in a really big way. So something to keep an eye on for that market. As far as Coach of the Year is concerned. It is interesting. It is interesting, though, how voters are going to treat, I think, the cases that you just laid out versus some of these quarterbacks, right? Tua, if he has a big season – how do you treat that, right? I think that's it's going to be. I mean, it's going to make this market tough. I think for Tua, the, the potential is there for him to actually win MVP. Right. You know what I mean? Like, and I don't know if they would do that, come back at MVP, but the potential is there just because of that offense. And look, he did look great in the his peak play last year was very, very good in that yes. offense, and that maximized a lot what he could, uh, what he did. When we come back, uh, we have to look at the AAC, a conference that has been remade with a lot of teams coming from Conference USA. And there's about a third choice on the board that I think is going to be legitimately good in this conference. We'll talk about that when we return here on a numbers game. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 